global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Catherine Cowdery. Energy and financial shares are dragging the stock market lower as investors shy away from riskier assets. Banks are retreating for a second session with J.P. Morgan Chase and Goldman Sachs down at least 2.8%. Comments from Bank of England Governor Mark Carney are rekindling concerns that Britain's exit from the European Union will further weigh on tepid global growth. Carney warned today of prospects for a material slowing of the economy amid developing risks from Britain's EU decision. We check in markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. Dow Industrial Average is down 94 points. That's a loss of half a percent. It's trading at 17,855. S&P 500 narrowing earlier losses currently down 13.6 tenths of a percent at 2,090. The Nasdaq is down 36 points, three quarters of a percent at 48.26. West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil down $2.24 cents a barrel, 4.6% to 46.75. Spot gold is up $18 an ounce at 13.57 even. Ten-year treasury up 22.30 seconds with a yield of 1.37%. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you very much, Catherine Cowdery. It's time now for the ETF report. Let's go to Catherine Cowdery for more on exchange-traded funds. Double Line's bond ETF has topped PIMCO's in total assets. Jeffrey Gunlock's Spider Double Line Total Return Tactical ETF now has $2.63 billion in total assets, compared with the PIMCO Total Return Active ETF, which has $2.59 billion. Bloomberg Intelligence Analyst Eric Balchuna says it's quite an achievement for Gunlock as investors move money from active funds to passive funds. It's just, you know, fascinating to see Gunlock uh, buck the trend and really swim upstream and collect assets in this environment. Balchunas puts Gunlock's achievement in perspective. He's gone from $600 million to $2.5 billion in his ETF. This is really something because the active ETF space, 150 products, you've got ex-fund managers, hedge fund managers, economists, authors, PhDs, all kinds of smart people putting out products, hasn't really caught on. It's just a trend uh, that's in the wrong direction. Um, everybody's going passive. TOTL has had a total return of 3.9% since its inception, compared with 2.3% for BOND during the same period. That's your Bloomberg ETF report. I'm Catherine Cowdery. This is Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Well, as the president of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York said it today, William Dudley, the Brexit vote, the preparedness of the UK to leave the European Union is a cloud on the horizon for policymakers, certainly for investors as well. But there are there is, I should say, at least one shining star, according to our next guest, and that's Rob Hayworth. He's senior investment strategist at U.S. Bank Wealth Management. They have $133 billion of assets under management. Uh, joining us from Seattle today. Rob, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. So as far as you're concerned, amidst all this turmoil and and clouds hanging over all kinds of economies and markets, the U.S. is the place to start? I I think so. We're uh, in a fairly solid uh, economic growth trend. We're relatively stable when we look across the political environment around the world, and our consumer remains quite healthy, having recovered somewhat from, from our financial crisis. So we're still in pretty good shape. Not great, but good. So, Rob, does that mean that you're looking at consumer discretionary stocks? What uh, What is guiding your stock selection process? 
Yeah, we, we are looking more to uh, to cyclicals these days as we do expect a, a relatively solid global rebound. Consumer discretionary would be a part of it. The the U.S. consumer and the global consumer are in a, in a reasonable place. I mean, the U.K. is certainly an exception here with, with all the political uncertainty. Um, but you know, debt loads remain low. Income growth, especially in the U.S., uh, is improving, and uh, people in general are seeing improving an improving uh, jobs market. So, yeah, consumer good discretionary would be good. We also look towards specific technology companies. We think there's opportunities there. Uh, and lastly, healthcare is an interesting place of innovation. Well, let's if if we got another not so great jobs report, and there's a, a more of a view that the economy is actually slowing. And that's what some people are looking for right now. Would you still make your argument because you would say other parts of the world are in much worse shape than the United States and it's still the most promising place to put your money? Uh, Yeah, I think that's a great point that Friday is a really important report for all of us uh, to understand whether last month was uh, last month's 38,000 non-farm payroll jobs was uh, was the true direction of the market or a hiccup. Uh, as we look at some of the other data, especially the, the purchasing manager reports that just came out, um, retail sales, consumer confidence, uh, we think last month was a little more of an aberration, and, and the data should be good. But if it's not, we'll certainly need to reevaluate. I want to t- get your get your details, if you can, on anything related to healthcare and uh, health insurance or biotechnology. What the, what are you focused on, Bob? Uh, I, I don't get very deep into those specifics, but we would we would look more to the to the companies that are benefiting from an aging population and able to sell into a population that looks uh, more for longevity and quality of life. So more medical technology. More medical technology. Uh, you mentioned uh, also uh, fixed income uh, as obviously part of the portfolio. What what should you do if you're holding a gain in your in your bond portfolio? Should you sell it and try to find something else, or or what should you do? Well, I, I think the important thing there is to have a balance with your stock portfolio. So you need you need to have both sides because if I look over the next 6, 12, 18, 24 months, um, the, the, the Brexit tremors are going to be episodic. They're going to come and go. So you're going to need long-term growth in your portfolio to, to see your portfolio grow, but you're going to need those bonds to provide a cushion against those tremors. Um, so if, you, if you've ended up with an overweight position in fixed income, it's certainly uh, a good time at these uh, record lows to start trimming your portfolio uh, of, of fixed income, especially if you're holding some of the, some of the European debt that's trading at negative yields, um, and, and rebalancing into equities, which are in general paying you uh, a, a better dividend yield than you're earning on, your, on, on fixed income interest rates, and you have some optionality for global growth. Yes, and especially if you're a patient investor, you have that optionality because uh, I think the, the bigger fear, it seems, in the markets right now is that we could tilt a bit into a global recession, however you defined it. Commodities, though. Commodities were so beaten up going into the Brexit vote. Uh, we've seen a rebound in oil and gold. Certainly gold is where a lot of people want to jump into right now uh, to ride the rally. What do you see there? 
we're a little more cautious this year on, on commodities. I think uh, we've seen a tremendous rebound to start this year, but the fundamentals haven't quite caught up with the speculative price action. Um, and, and really that's probably a little more of the cyclicals than we've seen with gold. I think the hardest part for me with gold is uh, you're discounting uh, much lower odds of a Fed rate increase this year than we would see. We think the Fed probably uh, is able to raise rates at least once this year and two or three times next year, and the market's really not pricing in any rate increases into well into next year. So we think some of the support for the gold market just just won't be around for this whole year once once you start to price in more Fed rate increases. Uh, on the on the cyclical side of the world, uh, rebalancing is occurring, but I think high prices have led to a new risk, and that and that new risk is you get restarts in U.S. oil production, and we don't get nearly enough decline in U.S. oil production uh, to to get the complete balance in the market, and you have. Uh, non-U.S. producers looking to come back online. Canada's ramping up uh, after their wildfires, and you have a lot of uh, Middle Eastern producers looking to bring oil back into the market and grow their production as well. So we may uh, have a little more volatility over the rest of this year in, in oil and, uh, and not get the, the same gains in the back half of the year that we've had so far in the first half. Real estate, is that worthy of attention? Uh, I, absolutely. I, you know, this real estate uh, has uh, solid yields. Um, I, I think some interesting characteristics. The struggle is the direct market's probably a, a little fully priced, especially given where interest rates are right now. When you say direct market, what do you mean? Uh, own, owning uh, individual properties outright as, as opposed to three, through real estate investment trusts. Hey, I, I just have to come back to the point you made okay. about one rate increase this year by the Federal Reserve and two or three next year because uh, that's really going against the predominant view in uh, the Fed Fund's futures market now. And I'm looking at the move in yields and bond yields lower. What is the logic for one this year and two or three next year? We think ultimately the Fed wants to normalize. And uh, economic. If, if our shining, tarnished star story uh, is, is correct, that gives the Fed enough room to, to normalize rates a little bit this year. We'll be, we'll be past some of the Brexit turmoil. December will be past our own election. Uh, we should have new leadership in the United Kingdom. And if economic data plays out in a solid way, which means higher inflation and still improving employment, um, that gives the Fed a little breathing room at, at year end to, to continue on their glacial path to normalization. Rob, just quickly, tell us what's the most uh, prevalent question that is being asked uh, by your sales force or indeed by your customer base? Uh, I think the biggest question we're getting is what next and what do I do about it? I, I think there's there's real concern about what this means for, for the world economy and, and kind of the work we're doing is to educate them on current valuations and how do they how do they adhere to their long-term investment plan uh, given this short-term market turmoil. All right. Thanks very much for joining us. Rob Hayworth is the Senior Investment Strategist for U.S. Bank Wealth Management, helping to manage over $133 billion, giving us his views on investing in stocks, bonds, as well as commodities. His point being that you can enjoy a dividend yield greater in stocks than you can in most sovereign debt. You're listening to Taking Stock. I'm Pim Fox, my co-host Kathleen Hayes. This is Bloomberg. <laughs> 